Welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to my main man, David Jones. Thanks for listening, my guy. Today, we have on Greg Peterson, host of the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast. He's also a college basketball pro gambler. We get into his gambling career, how he got started, and how he does his picks, as well as his New York Post play of the day. We also talk to my main man, Grant Farley. We do a college football playoff preview, get into playoff expansion, Heisman odds, NFL mock draft, and more. But before we get into our interview with Greg Peterson and Grant, we are brought to you by Pod Talk. If you've listened to us before, you know Pod Talk is the best way to listen to podcasts. It has the best interface and gives you the opportunity to talk to other fans of the podcast that you love, like this one. If you haven't already downloaded it, what are you doing? Go download Pod Talk in the App Store today. Now, our interview with Greg Peterson. Okay, we now welcome on Greg Peterson, host of the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast. You can also find his best bet with the New York Post. Also, if you gamble in college basketball and you don't already follow him, first off, you're crazy, but follow his Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. We're recording this at, let's see what time it is, 11 p.m. Monday, December 28th on the East Coast. Uh, Greg, how'd you do tonight? Uh, today was a little bit more of a break-even night, so nothing great, <laughs> nothing awful. You have those in the industry, but I'm doing great because I'm joining you right now, so thank you so much. <laughs> great to have you, man. All right, so uh, like, give me your backstory. When did this all start? This all started back when I was in college. I was doing some work with my local college radio station, and you know what? <laughs> I was with D3 UW Oshkosh. As you know, D3 universities they typically don't get betting lines up on a game well we were playing against south dakota state that year we took the game last minute it was just one of those things where uw oshkosh trying to raise some money they're going to get their butts kicked and i thought you know what i think it would be very interesting if this game had a spread on it because obviously south dakota state nfcs football school i take a look and once you know it five dimes says uw oshkosh as a 45-point underdog, <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, yeah, UW Oshkosh, I don't want to take a shot on the money line, try to win a private island for myself. But you know what? 50 bucks might be worth a shot for UW Oshkosh to cover 45. Wound up being minus 120 juice on that bet. But with that said, I wanted playing 60 to win 50. And just before I could place the bet, line had moved. So I'm just like, oh, boy. Other people are thinking UW Oshkosh could cover too. Nope, went from 45 to 46 and a half. So I wound up getting that. UW Oshkosh didn't even allow 45 points in the game. They lost 38 to 3, was never a sweat. And then from there, I'm just like, oh, you know what? This stuff is pretty cool. And this was my senior year of college. So I was just sort of dabbling in that. I would wind up graduating from college, went to Nashville, Tennessee, was having a little bit of a rough go financially. And I was actually betting on some college basketball games to be able to raise a little bit of money for rent. I was... I just remember it so vastly that I was just firing on UT Arlington just every game that season. That was when Kevin Hervey was just absolutely lighting it up. So that was fun. And then my travels take me to Portland, Oregon, where I meet a gentleman that he used to live out in Las Vegas. He would always just ask me blindly. And this was before I was really invested in the gambling market or anything like that. Just what I would make the line on a game. And typically I was within like two, two and a half points of the Vegas line. So Thought I had a little bit of an issue. That buddy wound up moving back to Las Vegas, invited me for a job at a new startup company. That startup company was the Vegas Stats and Information Network. That was about three and a half years ago. I wound up starting out behind the scenes. There was no intentions whatsoever of me really getting on air, but a lot of people realize, ah, oh, this guy knows a lot about college basketball <laughs> and he doesn't stop talking about it. And then one person at the network said, you know what? You should post your plays up on Twitter. That man, his name is Matt Human. So he is the reason why I've become what I am today. I give <laughs> him full credit with it. And then from there, there was just a big following that wound up ensuing. I was getting more opportunities to be able to jump on with regards to guest spots, other radio shows, things like that. And 
here we are today, me firing an eye on every single game, every single day, posting up a podcast <laughs> every day, and it has been absolutely terrific. So are you typically up or down through the years? I've been having great success with college basketball. Now, don't ask me about my NFL picks this year. They were absolutely <laughs> terrible. I know that many people out there can probably relate. I mean, football this year kicked my rear end. But, I mean, for the most part, college basketball always has been my best sport. And the big reason why is because I actually used to be a college basketball bracketologist back in the day. I mean, I still remember being in the seventh grade watching Joel and Artie and thinking, <laughs> oh boy, I've got to watch this Bucknell Holy Cross game because Bucknell might have a shot at an at-large bid. Because when it comes to bracketology, you're graded the same if you wind up picking a one seed on that one line correctly as you are a 15 seed on the 15 seed line. So it's a big reason why I always say on my podcast, yeah, there's money to be made and being able to pick correctly Duke versus North Carolina, Wisconsin versus Maryland, things like this. But you can also make money on Norfolk State versus Coppin State. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, this may sound dumb, but what do you look for most in picks? What I really look for the most is just, am I able to get behind this team and are they a trustworthy side? So, some of the sets I take a look at, free throw shooting. There's nothing worse than having your bet get torpedoed because Asad French of St. Louis is going to the free throw line and he's shooting 40% for the year. Obviously, that's not necessarily too terrific. You take a look at coaching as well. Now, Michigan State having a little bit of a rough go of it right now, but by and large, Tom Izzo has been very trustworthy and we know that that team winds up peaking in March. Mm-hmm. There are other coaches that, well, they're not necessarily so trustworthy. Leonard Hamilton, back in the day, was not necessarily terrific. Now, I will say he's been doing a much better job at Florida State. I do have to give him credit, but coaching is always one of those things. And then I also take a look at efficiency numbers because so many people are taking a look at, oh, Team X is giving up 72 points per game. Team Y is scoring 75 points per game. But what you want to be taking a look at is the amount of points that they score on a per-possession basis because you always hear that mantra that, it's easier to slow down a fast team than it is to speed up a slow team. And that is something that I take into account with my handicapping. So I take a look at those efficiency numbers with regards to my picks rather than just look at the raw surface numbers. And I found some great success with that. Do you follow any of the public betting and fade the public and all that? I'm not a fade the public guy. Everything is just purely what I think of a game. I wind up setting a number on a side in total every single game. Now I will deviate from it a little bit because I mean, let's say that Wisconsin is laying three points against Purdue. If the line's at three and a half, it means that it's very close to what I make it, which means that I should probably do a little bit more research to see if there's a little bit more of an edge on one side or another. Maybe there's a little bit of a backstory. Maybe there's someone on Wisconsin that was maybe like turned down for Purdue or vice versa. Maybe there's a little bit of a motivating factor there. So that's something that happens. There are obviously some of these games in which it's out for my numbers. It's an easy fire away. But when you get into those close games, that's when I really start to do a little bit more of my deep dive research. I've actually found throughout the years that a lot of these picks that the line is very close to what I make it. Sometimes those are my best picks because you're just looking for information that you really wouldn't necessarily find on a stat sheet. Or you wouldn't find in a spreadsheet. And sometimes that could just be the big difference maker in winning and losing a bet. So give me the, what's the best year you've ever had? How many units have you been up or what was last, your record? Last season, I made 301 units prior to the pandemic in college basketball. Whoa. That was by far the best year that I ever had. I was very, very salty when things wound up getting shut down. I wound up stooping to the point at which I wound up watching a few rom-coms on Netflix in April. (laughs) I never want to return to that because it was a very good run and hopefully we'll do a little bit better this year. So dealing with the COVID situation this year, how much goes into no home crowd advantage? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you still take into account travel, no question. Mm -hmm. When you have like a team, like for example, Rutgers traveling to Purdue or something like that, you're going to take that into account, but we know that these home courts are not necessarily created equal. Now, you do want to note that some of these places, like Texas Tech, we saw it in that Louisville versus Kentucky game last week. There are some fans in the stands at some of these games, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
when you've got like 15% capacity, you're not going to be finding a whole bunch of college kids that are hopped up on like Bud Light Platinum and everything like that. Got to give a <laughs> shout out for my favorite beer. You're not going to find them just going rowdy out there. It's a little bit more of a wine and cheese crowd. So that is something that certainly is taken into account. And typically you always used to hear that home court advantage would be worth three points generically. Mm-hmm. Obviously you'd adjust for the camera crazies. And meanwhile, our good buddies, rest in peace, Chicago State and their college basketball Pour program. one out for Chicago you, State. Yep, you award nothing for them because there's literally nobody in the stands. They were practicing social distancing before it wound up being cool. <laughs> but, I mean, it's one of those things where it really does play a big factor. And I think it's a big reason why you have seen a lot of these stark upsets. You're seeing a team like Kentucky entering into this week with one win, and you wind up seeing Wisconsin a few days ago wind up losing to Maryland in that big upset. Yeah, because I'm a huge Duke fan, and – there's such a difference when it comes to their home games. It's almost a disadvantage playing at home in a quiet Cameron because that when you just hit the rim, it sounds just so loud, and it's awful, <laughs> awful. But uh, give me your best gambling story. Oh, man, the best one <laughs> ever. I was not here for it, but I know that Matt Eumann passed this down through the Vegas Edge Information Network because it was the first broadcast that they ever did. First broadcast was that Atlanta Falcons versus New England Patriots Super Bowl. So Brent Musburger is doing the broadcast. He winds up finishing up his set. At the time, the Atlanta Falcons are up 28 to three. Brent Musburger going out the door. He says this famous line, turn out the lights, boys. The party's over. As we know, (laughs) the party was just getting started. I just laughed so hard at that. It was a few months before I got there. It was a few months before I wound up getting that nickname hoops from Brent Musburger. I just always think back to that. I know I've had a couple of my own, but that's just one that I crack up every time I hear it. Okay, so what's the biggest win you've ever had? Are you a parlay guy at all? or? Oh, I am not a parlay guy. <laughs> I avoid them like the plague. And I am right now someone that I play every game consistently, but – I mean, I used to be someone that I would bet a little bit more on some games than others. Mm-hmm. I wound up having a couple of successes. My biggest one was that Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather fight. I just wound up dumping out my savings account on Floyd Mayweather. I figured it was the easiest money I would ever get. Obviously, it was. <laughs> and then there was another game in which I bet $1,000 on for college basketball. And here's the reason why. Florida International was going up against a non-D1 school called Minnesota I think it's Concordia St. Paul. They're a D2 school. They had won 10 games the season before. Florida International like six and a half points against a D2 school that had won 10 games the season before. Mine went way out of whack because that school had knocked off UW-Milwaukee as about a 20-plus point favorite. We no longer see it where these two D2 schools, when they take on D1 schools, wind up having a line. This was just some rare exception. I see Florida International laying six and a half points, and I think, all right, what am I missing here? <laughs> I is under the radar this D2 school from the state of Minnesota, like stashing Carl Anthony Downs on their roster and waiting for him to get more eligibility or something like that. I wound up locking in on that Florida International, a knows what winner there. So those were some of my bigger hoists when it comes to sports gambling. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you, I talked to you before a little bit. You said you don't dabble in futures at all. Why is that? The big reason why is because I want to have all my bets just tethered to one specific event, one moment in time. And if I were to dabble into futures, I've actually found that you'd be able to make a little bit more money if you just wind up doing what is called a rolling parlay. I don't know if you know the name Richie Bachelary, but he is very famous out here in Las Vegas one of the best in the business really ever when it comes to college basketball as well. I mean, the guy is a wealth of knowledge, but what you do is that you just wind up putting down the one unit that you dedicate to a future and you put it on the money line of the team that you think wins the NCAA tournament. Let's say that they survive in advance. You take that one unit plus whatever you made in game one, and then you just roll it over. You put it on the money line time and time again. And by the end of it, typically you're able to get a little bit of a bigger cash than if you actually put down a future. And what you also get is protection because we all remember a couple of years ago, Auburn was able to make that final four, but Chuma Okeke, 
he winds up going down with a leg injury. Mm-hmm. If you've got a normal future, well, congratulations. You've got a Chuma Okeke-less Auburn team in the Final Four. Meanwhile, if you go with that rolling parlay, you're able to say, you know what? I don't like this team anymore. I'm going to walk away from the table with my winnings. Or maybe you think that Auburn is still able to cover the game, but you don't think they're going to be able to win it outright. It gives you those options. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So so this is Monday night, December 28th. Uh, give me your best pick for tomorrow. All right, the best pick for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm writing this one up for the New York Post. Clemson versus Florida State. I'm looking at the under in this spot. Last I checked before I came on this broadcast, it was right around 131 and a half, but you take a look at the defensive efficiency numbers of Clemson, top 10 in all of college basketball. You've got a guy in Scotty Barnes that's actually terrific for Florida State, a little bit of a unicorn. He's six foot nine. He's a guy that's able to draw the ball and everything like that, but he also shoots less than 50% to free throw line. That is called not good, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Clemson team that they themselves don't necessarily shoot it well from three-point range. I think that they've broken 67 points in two games so far this season. Meanwhile, Florida State, they've been doing a very solid job of being able to lock down defensively themselves. I think that this is just going to be a slow, grimy, if either team gets a 65, they'll be lucky sort of game. But Greg, life's too short to bet the under, man. It is, but at the same time, <laughs> life's too short to be able to, life is too short to pass by free money as well. <laughs> Do you like a side in that game? I'm going to be probably looking at the points with Florida State. They wound up opening up at circa a little bit higher than what I'm seeing it right now. Right now, I'm seeing it right around two, two and a half ish. I would still gravitate to Florida State. At this point, though, with it being so few points, I probably would wind up taking the money line, but. I'd be looking at Florida State just because I do think that Clemson goes a little bit too much through Amir Sims. And with Clemson, you don't have a single guy on the team that's averaging more than five rebounds per game. So that is going to be an issue for them. All right, Greg. Well, thanks for your time. This was awesome. Uh, Go check out his podcast, Hooping with Hoops with Greg Peterson. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. Also, if you gamble on college basketball, like I said earlier, go follow him. It's the best money. It's free money. What are you doing at GUnit underscore 81? Greg, thanks for your time, man. It's a pleasure, Carter. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we now welcome on Grant Farley. He's going to be our college football guy going forward here on the Carter cast. Grant, how we doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. No problem, no problem. All right, let's get into this. We're going to start off talking about the college football playoff. Who's your favorite to win? It's got to be Bama, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think everyone's got Bama almost, you know, sharpied in there. But, um, I mean, realistically, I do think Clemson has a shot. You know, spoiler alert to the semifinal. I'm sure we'll go through the semifinal games as well. But I really do think with Trevor Lawrence, you know, heading out for the NFL this next season, I do think it's possible that he could try and, you know, keep it close because Bama's defense isn't, you know, exactly what it used to be. Same thing you could say with Ohio State, right? Like their defense is, the, I think, the reason why that team doesn't feel like the same Ohio State team. Um, but definitely, you know, from from Clemson's side, I, I could see them making a game out of it for sure, you know, on the offensive side of it. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think Ohio State or Notre Dame, either of them have a chance at winning their games or – what are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think Notre Dame has a chance, to be honest. Like, I, yeah. I think I, I think you could have put, you know, basically anyone in there in that, in that four spot, and they would just been, you know, murdered. Like, the what? The line's almost like 20 points right now, like plus mm-hmm. 20. So, I mean, Vegas obviously doesn't think it's even going to be a close game. And, like, uh, from what I've seen, right, from what we saw in the, in the last game against Clemson, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be – if they couldn't stop Trevor Lawrence, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to stop this high-powered – you know, Bama offense. So um, I do think Ohio State has a chance that they can figure out, you know, w- what's going on on that defensive side. I mean, obviously Ch- losing Chase Young, losing some of those DBs, it's definitely not the same defense that they had last year. Um, but, I mean, you know, with with those two type of teams that have that, you know, that talent matchup, it's definitely possible. You know, I could see something crazy going on, but I, I do fully expect that Trevor Lawrence will get it done against you know, Ohio State. Are you in favor of Ohio State getting in, or should Texas A&M or Cincinnati gotten in? So this is this is the this is the good <laughs> question, right? Um, to be honest, I think it's more so maybe not even you know talking about Ohio State. I think it's Notre Dame really that we should be looking at. I don't even think they deserve to be that four spot after getting blown out the way they did. I really don't. 
Because if you look at like what they've done, right, their two best wins are what? Clemson without their best player, right? And then what, UNC? Those are those two. And they did look really good against UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's we're talking about UNC. I think they're they're solid, solid team, but I don't think they're as quite as good as everybody thinks they are um, coming out of the, you know, ACC. So I do think, I, I think it's more so like who should have been over Notre Dame, to be honest. I do think Ohio State, their wins are not that impressive. Um, so again, it, it's kind of like that moving, that moving target with the college football playoff where it didn't really make sense, you know, that they necessarily get locked it up, but I do understand why they're there. They are a solid team. And they haven't proven anything otherwise that they don't deserve to be one of the top four. Well, with Ohio, I mean, do you think the Big Ten's overrated? I mean, this year they look terrible, but I think it's I think you could look across the board from all the power fives, right? Because every power five looks worse than they normally have. And I think it's just because they're all in, you know, in conference, right? So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily like a Ohio State issue. I definitely don't think the Big Ten's like where it used to be. I agree yeah. with that one hundred percent. I think the ACC you could say the same thing with that. I think the SEC this year, like, you know, top to bottom again, I think they're the best conference um, again, year in, year out, almost every single year. But even this year, they still look solid, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, a- let's, let's talk about A&M. Then. Let's talk about A&M right. since, we're on the, since we're on the SEC, right? Um, I do feel like they deserve a shot because the only team they've lost to is Bama. They did get murdered by Bama, but who hasn't gotten murdered by, by Bama at this point, right? So I would rather have seen a rematch of Bama versus A&M over Bama just wiping the floor. That's me personally, right? Mm-hmm. Now, everyone might be like, yeah, like I don't understand how you'd want to see that same game again. But, you know, round two this time, it could be a little bit different. And I do think they match up better than what – to me, it's going to look better. I think it would look better. And I think they deserved it, right? They played SEC schedule. They beat Florida. Florida's a solid, solid team. Um you know, had had a weird mishap against LSU, but they looked really good. They looked really good this year. They've taken care of business apart from Bama, which I don't think you can hold that much against them for. Okay, so you mentioned Texas A&M, all those other teams that didn't get in. But what about Cincinnati? Do you think they had any shot? Well, they obviously clearly had no shot, but do you think they should have had a shot? Yeah, I think in the in the case of Cincinnati, I think it definitely they definitely should have had a shot, right? So. I, again, I would rather see Cincinnati just get blown out by Bama than I would rather mm-hmm. see Notre Dame get blown out by Bama. To me, if you can't take care of business against a fully healthy Clemson team, then how do you expect to win the whole like the whole thing? I, to me, it doesn't make sense why they would even be put in the top four teams. Like I get like their resume solid, but really, like to me, beating a non-healthy Clemson team right without their best player is not that impressive, uh, even at home. And on top of that, their next best one is UNC. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you could really say that that Cincinnati could be in there and just get absolutely murdered. It'd be the same. It'd be the same thing. Right. So I would love to have seen them get a shot for sure. You know, um, it's just the format right now. It's a little difficult for those yeah. guys to shuffle in. If Cincinnati schedules BYU and beats them, are they in or there's just no chance no matter what, because they're not power five without the money. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know me, bro. I'm the biggest BYU <laughs> homer there is, right? But um, no, I don't think that would have moved the the needle that much, to be honest. Like, you I mean, we even saw it with Coastal, obviously too. Yeah, in exactly like even let's just say BYU. I know we're not on this topic, but let's just say BYU had beaten Coastal, right? On a short notice, they'd gone down there, they would have beaten them. I don't even think that would have necessarily guaranteed a New Year's Six at this point. Looking mm-hmm. at the rankings, right? Looking to what they have done to shuffle in, because at the end, the conference championships was a way bigger deal for these guys than than what we expected from the college football playoffs. So um, it looks like they shuffled in those guys over almost any scenario that you would have seen. So while we're on the topic of those other group of five teams, do we see, are we more likely to see a group of five playoff or are we more likely to see an expanded college football playoff? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is exactly like where (laughs) my hot takes come in, right? Where I think like it'd be, it'd be cool to see. So I definitely am in favor. And I think almost everybody is at this point after seeing this year specifically, because if this year you can't get, you know, undefeated Cincinnati, like looking like the way they did, or, um, you know, some of these other group of top teams that look really good, get them in there or even, even close to it. Right. Cause like at this point, it wasn't even like they were five, like mm-hmm. they weren't even close. Right. After that whole season that they were like, I think what did they finished at eight, eight before the uh, New York six bowl somewhere. Yeah. there. So like, they weren't even close. If you really look at it, like they had the path there was impossible for them. So I would have, you know, loved to have seen it. So I think the real, like moving forward, I think everybody's on board for an expanded playoff. And so my take is this, 
like people say, right, like oh, if Cincinnati had gone in, they would have been murdered, probably, right? Like most likely they also would be, you know, favored, you know, plus 20 in, in Vegas, if not more, plus 25, somewhere in that range. That's not the argument here. What I'm saying is if we can open up the playoff system and add more teams, I think we'll see a more even balance across college football. So I don't think the argument is like, well, these teams can't compete. I agree, right? I don't think Cincinnati can compete in the SEC schedule week in, week out. I'm not saying this at all. But what I am saying is I do think it would be really cool to open it up and then be able to see what kind of recruiting effects, you know, take place after that. Because mm-hmm. if you open it up, you'll like my thing is like Gonzaga, right? For example, in basketball, mm-hmm. like I know it's not the same. It's not, you know, apples to apples. But if you look at that, there's no way in the current system, if, if, if the NCAA, you know, men's basketball had the same format that college football does, there's no way we'd have a Gonzaga mm-hmm. today. There's no way, right? There's yeah. no way a team in Spokane, Washington <laughs> would be able to, you know, be better than Duke or, you know, better than Kansas, you know, consistently these past couple of years, there's no way. Right. Um, and it's just because it's, everybody has a shot. And so I love that aspect of it. So recruits can go there knowing that, look, it doesn't, I don't have to go to the, you know, these four schools or these six schools that only have a chance. Right. I think that's where we're at now where it's like, if you don't go to Bama, Clemson, you know, LSU, you know, one of these guys, Ohio state, you're not getting in. And mm-hmm. it's just as simple as that. So I think if we can open it up, I think, then the argument wouldn't be necessarily like, yeah, these teams can't, you're right. They probably can't hang, but what would happen with the recruits, right? If your hometown heroes, you see a lot more kids staying home to the schools they love instead of going, you know, just to the schools they think would be able to make the playoff. I see that, but a lot of people, the argument against this is it dilutes the regular season. And they're saying teams like Cincinnati shouldn't even have the chance of making the playoff. Or if we expand it, we're going to have a three loss Florida team in there. Does a three-loss Florida team even deserve the chance at winning a national championship is the argument. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you take care of it through the conference championships, right? I mean, everyone's pretty big on those. So what that would look like is you just put more emphasis. Because as, as of right now, the way college football is heading, if you have one or two losses, right, outside of those big schools, like in the big conferences, you're done. And, there's, and, and you're seeing more and more players opt out of these bowl games. Obviously, this year it's a little more dramatic than normal with COVID but you're seeing more and more people opt out of these bowl games because they're meaningless, right? They mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Even the New York sick is, is almost diluted to the point where it's like great consolation, <laughs> but you, all the Florida players, right. Are, are opting or out. Carolina first time making an orange bowl and their four best players are already gone other than Sam Howell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we're seeing the complete dilution of college football already as it is. So what would we rather do? Try and save it by, you know, creating a more, you know, competitive, I mean, if you look at, you know, men's basketball, has the greatest format for, you know, playoff, playoff at any, at any sport. Right. And so if you can even take half of what, you know, March Madness has and just make, there's no way that I, I think it would be worse. It can't be worse than what we're saying now is what I mean. It could be, but I can't see it being worse. I think you just put a bigger emphasis on the, on the, you know, conference championship games. And then you have a couple at large bids for those guys that at least have a shot, right. Even if they're a mm-hmm. 16 seed or, you know, whatever it is, however big you make it, if they get murdered by Bama, they got murdered by Bama, but at least they had yeah. a shot, right? So you're saying 16, where would you want to expand it to? Yeah, I, I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it to 16. And the wow. reason why, yeah, I think I think you got to go big in this. Because again, if you're only going to drag it out, let's just say four to six, right? And then you do like the, the major five, power five conferences, the one at large or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that does enough to really move the needle. I think if you really want to shake it up, like what, what you're seeing now, it's just all the major bowls. And then of course, like you have different tie-in bowls. Those have got to be your, your 16 playoff or at least the very least eight. Like it's got to be at least eight in my opinion to even like shake something up. Don't you think I, I'm more in favor of six because I think one and two are usually kind of head and heels above everyone else. Why shouldn't they get a advantage in a buy? Yeah, I mean, their advantage would be in this scenario, like let's just say it's a 16 seed, would be playing like a, you know, a Tulsa, right? Like mm-hmm. they should murder That's that true. team, right? If everyone's saying they're like, you know, they're so much better head and shoulders. But what I'm saying is if you have this format, I think it would it would stop from what you're saying right now, head and heels above better teams, right? Because mm-hmm. right now, of course, right? You play Bama against any team in the country, basically, they're going to murder them, right? Mm-hmm. Even, even Florida, right? Even, I mean, Florida was a good game, but... Um, even like Texas A&M, right, who's arguably one of the top four teams in the country, just absolutely murdered them, right? So to me, it's like, it's not an argument of like, 
if these teams could hang it's it's what would happen if we did expand it right like what what kind of options would that mean for these teams that are just looking for a chance and i really do feel like if you could expand it big enough i feel like people would take notice and they wouldn't be feel like they're forced to go to these specific teams to be able to play for a championship is all i'm saying i i don't know if it's true but i think it'd be a better shot than what we have now also backtracking on that in the 116 games the first round games could be at their home stadiums too with the mm-hmm. higher seed. Yeah. So. yeah, exactly. I think there's all the advantages in the world, right? Like again, if Bama's playing like a, you know, a Tulsa or someone like that, like, and they don't win that game, like, come on. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're going to, they're going it, to, it's just like how it is now. Right. Like, how many 16 seeds really beat a one seed? Not very often at all, but it can happen. So that's the cool thing is like you'd have that option. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously they'd have a massive advantage for what they did in the regular season and they'd still be getting credit for one, being in the SEC, two, being an amazing team, all that good stuff, they would just have to play a couple more games than they normally would, right? And, and so I, that, I think that's the biggest issue is figuring out how many games can you add before you really start to, you know, these players, right, physically, mentally, everything, right? Because you can only play so much football before these kids start really, get, like, you know, getting hurt because uh, everybody's playing banged up by the – obviously, you know, mm-hmm. by the postseason – so that that's my only concern with expanding as you just got to be careful with with what you're doing to the players, right? I don't think it's necessarily fair that they play all these extra games. Yeah, and I don't see them taking away regular season games to mm-hmm. bring it down to a normal ten game season just to expand this playoff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think you're right. I don't know if it'll ever get to sixteen. I would love to see sixteen. That's just mm-hmm. me personally. I think a more realistic goal is just at least double it. Let's get to eight. I think eight would be a solid. You know, even having buy or something like that whatever it is right i just like to see it expanded because at the current format i mean you're you're going to see the same teams every single year year and year out it's just what it is yeah so let's go back to the college football playoff so we were talking about the spreads earlier bama is a 19 and a half point favorite against notre dame the over under is 65 and a half what do you like in that game as crazy <laughs> as it sounds i almost like the you know the spread with bama like taking you know mm-hmm. laying the points or whatever because uh, I don't know if you can trust – like, I feel like Notre Dame for sure is going to score. They're going to score. Bama's defense isn't necessarily, you know, as potent as it used to be. But I don't know if you're going to be able to get, you know, 30 points out of them, 20-plus points out. I don't know if you're going to see that. So, if I – the pro, I don't think I'd play this game personally, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd play this game in any way, shape, or form. But if I had to play something, I'd play the the spread on Bama. I'd, take, I'd literally take, like, the minus 19.5, which it's at right now, which is – crazy to say in a you know in a semifinal game but i just don't see i just i I don't know if i could play against bama even with the points i don't know if i could do that all right the next game clemson minus seven and a half this has gone from seven and a half to eight and a half wherever you see the number versus ohio state over under 66 and a half yeah i mean i like the uh i like the over a lot on this game uh more so that I think the spread just because some weird stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. But I do think with the defenses like that they are, I think because you look at how many points Notre Dame was able to score on Clemson, you know, both games and how many points people have, even in the end, like all these teams have been able to score on, on Ohio state. You know, I, I feel like the over is pretty enticing. So I would definitely, that's probably the play I would do out of these two games that probably play the over. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking on that one? I would go Clemson. I don't – are you impressed at all with Justin Fields? Because I'm certainly not. Yeah, see, this is – I mean, I know we'll talk about this, but, man, it's just – it seems like – it seems like that defense was bigger than we thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, it, I think it alleviated a lot of the pressure that Justin Fields is feeling this year. So I think his biggest criticism people keep saying is is his his mental clock in the pocket, right? Mm-hmm. He's having issues with holding on the ball way too long. And there's actually advanced like stats on how many seconds he's getting in the pocket and under pressure, he's even getting more, which is not a good statistic. If you want to see if you're, you know, an NFL scout, how many seconds he's getting in the pocket, it's pretty concerning. So that, that I would say that's probably his biggest, you know, knock. I, I do think he's an incredible quarterback. I think he's super mobile, right. Which is like all everyone wants to see these days. Um, and I do think he has a great arm strength incredible arm strength so I don't know if he's necessarily like as bad as people are saying you know or not as good as people are saying right now I think it's a little over dramatic you know over dramatic the the talk but it's, it hasn't been like it hasn't not looked good like <laughs> if you look at these games like he cannot he can't 
pull away from some of these teams that he should just be absolutely down. Northwestern game looked absolutely rattled the entire time against this, you know, okay, you know, solid Northwestern mm-hmm. team. I don't know what you really want to call yeah, that. that. Everyone says that defense is incredible. I I'm, I think they're comparable to an SEC defense that we see Bama put 63 <laughs> on every week. Exactly. And, like, what Kyle Trask is doing in comparison mm-hmm. is, like, his numbers are insane. Like, I'm super impressed with what Kyle Trask has done as a quarterback at Florida in an all-SEC schedule, too. He has more touchdown passes and less interceptions than Joe Burrow did, which mm-hmm. is insane in an all-SEC schedule. So, you know, hats off to Kyle Trask. Super impressed with him. I think he's an incredible talent for sure uh, because he's thrown to the same type of people that, you know, that Justin Fields is. So mm-hmm. you can't really say – and probably playing better DBs. In my yeah, opinion. Yeah, exactly. That Indiana game and that Northwestern game were super alarming for me. That's why I think Clemson – I think this is going to be a pretty boring college football playoff semifinal. Mm-hmm. I think it's they're going to be both 20-point blowouts at least. Yeah. I don't think Ohio State so – you're, you're, you're all over Clemson then. Yeah, I don't think Ohio State honestly has a shot. I've watched every game this year. This defense is awful. And everyone was raving about Notre Dame's defense in the, before the ACC championship game. Clemson's backup quarterback put, what, 45, 41 on them? Exactly. Plus, whatever you want to say. And we Trevor Lawrence easily put up 34. I mean, they're just going to – Ohio State's not going to be able to stop Trevor Lawrence. That's what I think. I think it's just going to be, you know, and I think with both these games, right, I think even, you know, Bama, like I said, their defense is not amazing this year. It's mm-hmm. it's way better than, you know, at, you know, most of these teams. But it's not like the normal Bama defenses. Their offense is just explode. Like, you cannot keep up. Notre Dame will not keep up with – it's just impossible. There's no mm-hmm. way. I don't see a scenario where they're able to keep up with the amount of points that Bama is going to be able to score. And I think you're right. I could totally see it being a super boring – I'm hoping not, right? That's why I kind of like the over in this one because I'm mm-hmm. hoping it's a close game. I'm hoping that, you know, Ohio State shows something. And maybe, right, because Dabo's talked, you know, about how they're not even ranked in the top ten, which, again, however way you look at it, it could be, right, that they're not deserving because they, what, they played six games. Their best win is Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Their second best win is what, Indiana? Yes. So, arguably, Annan for sure has a better win than, than Ohio State. Um, and their only losses to the, for sure, clear-cut best team in the country. So maybe with that, you know, locker room talk, like to say, yeah. is enough to keep them motivated, right? And maybe we see something completely different from Justin Fields. Because I don't think Clemson's defense is necessarily locked down, like the most incredible defense in the world. But it will give them fits, especially if Northwestern was able to give them fits. Like, you know for a fact they're going to be able to do some stuff to them. Yeah, we saw they were hurt. They had their guys out during the Notre Dame game where Notre Dame put up 40-plus against them. They come back. They play Notre Dame. Notre Dame puts up 10. Yep, exactly. So, and I think I think that's what we're looking at. I don't, I don't think – like, everyone was so impressed with that win, and I really was not. I, from the start, I was like, I don't think that win is anywhere near what people think it is. How can you say that, you know, that's beating the team without their best player is not impressive to me. It's just not – it's not the same team. It's not the same team. Being a freshman, you know, backup quarterback, it's not the same thing. So I think you're right. I think Bama games for sure blow out. That's why I said I would lean taking the points, which is crazy, <laughs> right? Or not taking the points, but taking the, uh, you know, minus 20. And then I would definitely, if I was going to play a team, I'd play Clemson for sure over Ohio State. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to do everything possible to look really, really good, you know, as he leaves college football for good. So I definitely would take, you know, them or I'd take the over. Those are probably the two right plays in my opinion okay so assuming clemson and alabama win how's that game looking like this is i mean just because the, i mean there's so much history games obviously you know the college football playoff era i do think it's going to be a game i don't know why you know most people i think think it's just going to be the same thing just bam blow. i don't think it's going to be that especially if florida was able to give them a game kind of you know keep it close towards the end I do think it's going to get a little weird. I think some stuff's going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game, and I could totally see this game coming out, coming down to like a final drive or something crazy like that. Just because, you know, I mean, you and me know there's going to be some weird stuff on on you know a national championship game. Mm-hmm. They need the ratings, so you know, you know, some weird stuff's going to be going yep. on with the laundry, with the penalties and stuff like that. So I could totally see this game coming down to a super close game, and I could see Clemson. I'm not even. I could see Clemson maybe pulling off the upset. I could see it. I can for oh. sure see it. Oof. 
I don't see it as much. You heard but... it. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> you, when if they, you know, come down to the last drive and Trevor Lawrence has to win it for him, you're like, oh man, Grant told me that. I'm just saying, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, if I have someone on the final drive, I think I would rather have Trevor Lawrence than any other quarterback in the country. For sure. For sure. I mean, Even going into like... that game, but I mean, though Devontae Smith is outrageous with Najee Harris. But all right, so you're going with Clemson to win it all. No, I'm going with Bama to win it all, but I'm saying it. don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if Clemson makes it a fun game in the championship. Okay. Don't be, but I'm definitely taking Bama. There's no, I mean, I don't know how you, again, I don't know how you could not take Bama in this situation. Okay. I would like to see the spread of that game, though. It depends on how Clemson looks against mm-hmm. Ohio State. And then whatever that spread is, like I said, I might take the points with, with, uh, with Clemson. All right. Yeah. So I just mentioned his name. Devontae Smith is, the Heisman favorite at minus 180. Mac Jones is next at plus 155. Trevor Lawrence at plus 1600. Kyle Trask, 27 to 1. Najee Harris, 50 to 1. Does anybody take over Devontae Smith? See, I mean, like, first of all, can we pause and talk about how many people are in the top five for Bama? Like, <laughs> this is insane. This is literally yeah, crazy. Exactly. That's why okay. I'm surprised you even mentioned Clemson having a chance to beat them. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I could see something crazy happening, especially between those two teams. But, I mean, this is insane, the amount of talent that's coming out of Bama year in, year out. And, again, it goes back to what I mentioned. I think there's just no there's no recruit that doesn't get that offer and thinks, like, I'm going to play for national championship, if not win one within, you know, two years, which is a pretty cool thing to be able to say, guarantee almost. Um, so when it comes down to it, you know, I think Devontae Smith for sure is going to take it. I think he's the most valuable player. So I think he, I think he deserves it, right? I think he deserves that over, you know, Mac Jones um, or any of these guys, because he is the Heisman type player for that team, right? So yeah. I do think he earns it. I don't think anyone's going to overtake him. Um, but shout out Najee Harris, too. He's a baller as well, you know. Yeah. He definitely deserves recognition. Do you think Trevor Lawrence gets it if it wasn't for COVID? Um, yeah, I do. I think I think they would have beaten Notre Dame, no question, the first time around. Mm-hmm. At you know at Notre Dame, which you know would have been super impressive win. So yeah, I think he w- I think he just missed his window, um, which is unfortunate because I think he would have won it. All right, now transitioning. NFL mock draft. So we're both BYU fans. It. Yeah, buddy. Mock draft from Pro Football Focus, as of five days ago, has our Zach Wilson ranked above Justin Fields. Do you agree uh, with that? Even even with your bias, do you agree with that? So I don't want to agree with it just because I don't want to go to the Jets. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make an argument against it. Okay, that way he doesn't go to the Jets. As crazy as this sounds, um, who's number four now? Is it the Atlanta Falcons? I think the Falcons overtook the uh, Panthers for four. Panthers with their awful win against the Washington Football Team, I, I believe, are ninth. <laughs> Shoot. So this is so this is what's gonna happen, right? So. With, with what happened this past Sunday, what I'm hoping happened is I'm hoping they saw enough out of Sam Darnold to be like, okay, look, we're going to build around this guy, either through, you know, Penny Sewell, the the guy from mm-hmm. Oregon. I hope that's who they take. I really do hope that's who they take. Hope they take him number two over, just because if our boy Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever going to come out the same. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to have the opportunity to really be a quarterback. And that's horrible, right, um, to say you don't want your guy to go number two overall. But I've seen a couple mock drafts, and they're showing Zach Wilson at number two now, which is crazy to me. Like, could you could you imagine thinking that before the season started? Not in the slightest. Not even like watching him play. I mean, you you and I have seen every game, right? Mm-hmm. From from his first start from Hawaii, super impressive, right? Super mobile, super accurate. He made throws. He would like the the weirdest thing for us to transition from was like this terrible QB play for so many years. That when like it was like third and two and the dump down pass was there and he didn't take it. he took like a thirty yard you know like mm-hmm. bomb pass and we're like what are you doing but then completed it we're like oh that's right like this guy can actually throw yeah um so yeah man I don't I don't know I think I'm intrigued to to see what happens at number two again multiple mock drafts have him going at number two I think the 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 argument really is is Zach Wilson a more NFL ready quarterback than Justin Fields mm-hmm. right and I think that's the argument that people need to have i mean from your view what are you seeing right do you really yeah. feel like zach wilson's better than justin fields at this point i 100 percent do really watching justin i think justin fields is i think he's fallen off a little bit this year 
I think Zach Wilson is the more accurate quarterback. And he is super calm in the pocket. I mean, he's got great offensive line. He's got a great offensive line, first off. And they're not going yeah. against as hard of defenses as an SEC or Big Ten. But I don't think his receivers are anywhere near as good as a Devontae Smith or <laughs> Darius Tony. Exactly. So that's my argument, right? When people are always like, yeah, he's throwing the, you know, trade garbage coverage probably right he is mm-hmm. there's no argument around that it's, it's pretty terrible competition but when you look at the throws look at the throws you know side by side those throws are money regardless mm-hmm. of who's covering them right it doesn't matter it's in this like his accuracy i will say this i don't think there's a quarterback even just even um trevor, trevor lawrence. lawrence i think he's a better like accuracy wise for sure than trevor lawrence which is saying something. I know that's like, you know, blasphemy to even <laughs> mention something that's better than Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence is clear cut number one. No one's yeah. saying he's not. But what I'm saying is I do think his accuracy is absolutely incredible. Um, so super impressive. I think you're right. I think Zach is more NFL ready just from what he's done on his own time, right? His off the field stuff that he's been working on, you know, I think he just looks more complete as a quarterback as of now. Uh, but that, I mean, the drop off from, from, Trevor Lawrence is pretty big. So it's, it's just a question if you really want to take a quarterback number two or you want to build around the guy you have. So, I mean, that's the question. Or do you take Justin Fields, right? Like, yeah. I don't – there's so many options there. Do you think anybody trades up for him? Um, I mean, we got to see I some know, wild stuff, right? Yeah, I think if the Jets were smart, really if the Jets were smart, I think what they do is they trade back for picks, like you said. I think they mm-hmm. trade the pick. And I think they'd take, you know – basically a really solid lineman or a solid receiver, give someone right to, to the, even if it's not Sam Darnold, the, a future quarterback, right? Somebody, right. You got to build around them because that team is terrible, right. From the front office to the coach, everything in, in general. So that's why I personally think I would like to see that, but I don't know. The, the thing is with the number two pick, it, it feels like it's going to go quarterback. Like, I don't know if they're going to go lineman. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just kind of feeling I'm getting from like all this, not only mock drafts, but kind of the vibe of the NFL right now. It's like, if you don't have a solid, you know, quarterback, it's like, why are you even playing the game? They're saying Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence and Trevor or Justin Fields will go three out of four, three out of the first four picks will be quarterback, possibly depending on how it all works out in week 17, we could see three quarterbacks taken in a row. Insane. Not to mention, there should be three more quarterbacks taken in this in the first round with Mac Jones, Trey Lance, who I haven't really seen much, and Kyle Trask. Yep. I mean, as a Falcons fan, who do you? I mean, do you think you have Zach Wilson? So I, I, I mean, as a Falcons fan, I would love to have Zach just because I think he'd be a perfect type of replacement for for Matty Ice, right, for Matt Ryan. And I think he'd be mo- mobile, right? So I think that's just all that Matt Ryan is. I and mean, he's won an MVP. He's done what he's needed to do. Took us to a Super Bowl. You know, lost, mm-hmm. like, one of the biggest leads in NFL history. <laughs> it's whatever. Water to the bridge. We won't go there. But, um, you know, I think with what we're seeing, he looks like him, right? In the pot- like, I feel like he can make those type of throws. He's super accurate. I would love to see him go to an organization like that. Plus, to see him throw to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, like, who wouldn't want to see that, right? Or to the Panthers. I would way rather see him go to the Panthers than to be stuck with the Jets. Like, this is just me, you know, being a homer for Zach. But, man, it would be rough to really see him go, you know, go number two to the Jets. No one wants to see that, right? Except for maybe the Jets. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, please don't. Real quick. I I hope they take a lineman. Are they moving on from Matt Ryan? Uh, So, I think there's too much money in Matt Ryan right now. So, you know, I've had a conversation with, like, a bunch of people that diehard Falcons fans. Um, I think there's a lot of I think they're transitioning, but I don't know if they'll necessarily want to spend a super early first round pick on a quarterback yet. I don't know. Again, 100% that could change if the right person's there that they feel is the perfect fit for their system. Um, you know, if if, it, if something weird shakes up and like you know, Penny So goes number two at the Jets, mm-hmm. and then both they have both them Justin Fields and Zach Wills, and they really like one of the two. 100%, I could see him pulling the trigger and just having that guy in weight, but he's not going to be the day one starter, in my opinion. There's no way that they're going to put a rookie quarterback over over Matt Ryan until he's really, really showing signs that he can't win game because he's still winning games, yeah. right? Completely looked good against the Chiefs last Sunday, looked, you know, fine. Um, and I feel like they're pretty close to being, again, competitive again. 
So I don't know if they're necessarily looking to spend that high of a draft pick for um, a quarterback yet. So we'll see. But again, if, if, if something weird happens with the Jets and they and they have the choice between two quarterbacks they really like, I could 100% see him pulling the trigger on one of the two. Yeah. Oh, man. Plugs? Just, <laughs> no plugs, no plugs. Uh, I mean, just, you know, go Cougs, first of all, right? Huge, <laughs> huge BYU homer. Um, you win in the 2020 roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Oh, dude, shout out the Roofclaim <laughs> Bowl. You know what I mean? I really wanted to go to that bowl game. I was super excited. Um, so, yeah, very excited we won that bowl game. But, no, man, like, I think this year has been super interesting because it's taught us a lot of things about college football that we didn't necessarily know for sure. But I think now it's like the writing on the wall is like, look, if you're in a G5, there is no path that you're going to play with the big boys in the championship game. Like, that is 100%. Because Gary Butter was asked straight up, they're like, look, man, like, do you think it's possible? And his response was like, yeah, if they had a schedule like BYU's, right, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. which is like six to seven power five schedule. Like no team that's affiliated with the G- G- uh, G5 conference yeah. can can have six P5, like that's impossible. So mm-hmm. they're like basically saying like, oh yeah, you know, if you can <laughs> do this, that's not possible for you. It's like, okay, so like, what are we doing here? Um, so, I mean, I think more things are solidified for what's, you know, realistic. Uh, I don't think the other path is to, like, have a separate G5 championship, though. I, I just think it would, like, completely kill those universities. Like, I don't think there's enough – I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I don't think there's enough there for, like, them to have their own separate championship. But, you know, let, let's see if Zach goes we'll, – we'll, I really hope he doesn't go number two. I hope he goes, like, number four to, to the Carolina or, or to the Falcons. But we'll see, right? Um, he, hopefully he goes to four overall, not two. So, Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, my man. Talk to you soon. Good luck with anything with everything. I hope the family's well. Happy holidays. Hey, happy holidays, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Go follow Greg's Twitter at GUnit underscore 81 and go listen to his podcast, Hooping with Hoops. And thanks for my guy, Grant Farley, for coming on. Go follow my personal Twitter page at CarterB8. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening once again. We may have an episode coming out on Friday, but if not, see y'all next week. Bye.